Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. Just representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam. This is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. I'm so excited. We've got Carolyn Sue on the show today. Carolyn is someone who I've been friends with for years, and I'm so excited to talk to her on this show. She has been on a number of podcasts over the past few years, and you'll hear us joke about that in a little bit. So if you want to get the full Carolyn Sue feature story, go listen to those podcasts. She's been on every major running podcast out there and a lot of newer ones as well. Uh, and it's really exciting uh, for her and for all the guests and all the hosts, I should say, who had a chance to speak to her. So go check those out if you want to learn more about her as a person. Now, this podcast in particular is about her recent experience at the Trans Rockies Run and the buildup to it, a buildup that was chock full of injuries and it was just a fascinating experience to see, like, all right, is she going to make it happen? Is she going to be able to do this? Because this was a huge challenge for anybody, never mind someone coming off of multiple injuries. And um, that can just be a very tricky situation. I was so excited to talk to her about it. So before we get into it, I want to give a shout out to Brio. Yes, one of my favorite companies and brands out there. I love this foot massager. This thing is unbelievable. So we had a family party at my in-law's house. They live directly across the street from us yesterday. And my mother-in-law, who if you've been listening to this show, you know how much she digs this, this foot massager that Brio makes. It's unbelievable. So she, I, I knew this was going to happen. About three hours into the party, she's like, Matt, can you go get the foot massager and bring it over here? So, you know, rumble across the street, go get it, bring it over. And it, it was unbelievable. So it was, it was hysterical. All the aunts, they were like, all right, I'm buying it. What's the code? What's the code? Well, I'm going to give you the code. It's Rambling Runner. 17% off at us.brio.com. That's B-R-E-O. So us.brio.com. Use code Rambling Runner. Save 17% on the foot massager. It's amazing. So you use the code. 70% off. You're going to get it for 100 bucks. You can use this thing every single day. And it is unbelievable. Also, I'm a big fan of the uh, massage gun. They have a lighter massage gun. It's only $89. Use the code. It's even less. So you get the whole package for under 200 bucks, and it'll be there for all of your recovery needs. And even forget recovery needs, just relaxing. It's a whole, whole experience. It's a whole experience. I love this company. So you can go to the link in the show notes or just go to, or just go to there we go, us.brio.com and use code RAMBLINGRUNNER to save 17%. Now, let's get into it with Carolyn Sue. Carolyn Sue, welcome to the show. Ah, thanks for having me, Matt. This is so exciting. This is. So you have been on the show before, but in a couple of different ways, right? We've done like um, post recaps for the uh -huh. summit, right? Yeah. We had um, a, a show, so you mean Allie, I think? We yes. had like a little yeah. collab, um, but not just a Carolyn Sue, come on the pod so we can talk about all things Carolyn <laughs> Sue. And I am so glad that we can finally do just that. Yes, I know. I feel like you and I have been talking for ages, but just not in an officially recorded manner, which I guess it <laughs> maybe not a bad thing. No. <laughs> well, since we just talked about 10 minutes not recorded, we're like, I'm so glad this isn't being recorded. I can, <laughs> that's, guess that's a, a good indication to that point. Um, yeah, I mean, shoot, we've been like sending messages back and forth. I, I tried to scroll up top of Instagram. Like, how, many, how long have I been talking to Carolyn for? Because I feel like we talk a lot. 
And um, I think it was like a while. This, yeah. this, this is fun. It took me a while to scroll up because it's hard because that's to keep loading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So De- December 21st, 2017. Oh, wow. Okay. I know. It's going back. I, I remember because I remember this because you're going to laugh at this. We, we, we've laughed at this occasionally offline that I remember asking you to be on the show like three years ago and you were like, Matt, I am not comfortable with that yeah. sort of, I can't talk on, on a show. I'm never going to do something like that. And I was like, all right. And then you've been on every single running podcast <laughs> since then. No, no. <laughs> well, not every. <laughs> but no, at the time, I think um, I think you had asked uh, asked me to be on your show uh, right before CIM. Or it was like the Saturday before CIM. And I just knew like I was not going to be in the right headspace necessarily, um, to, to have a full on conversation. And I think also at that time, um, I was still trying to figure out what I, what I was doing on Instagram in general. So I, I didn't think that I would have anything to talk about with you on your show. So. In retrospect, you didn't realize that you were walking into a rocket ship that was about to take oh, off God. because you have expl- everything you've done now has just gone into the stratosphere. And it really is inspiring to see in so many ways and talk about inspiring Carolyn Sue. You just did the Trans Rockies Run, which is so incredible, and you did a great job of documenting that. And I know you've, you've, you've been a part of documenting that in the past. Our friend Allison Staples did it in 2019, and, and uh, it's just – it really is an incredible – I mean, I think all ultra running is just incredible. I don't even know how to categorize it, something that's so far beyond anything I've ever tried. Um, but I want to dive into this. You've been on million shows if people want to know the full Carolyn Sue feature story, we're not going to do it here. Go look, go listen to all the other shows. They're all fantastic. And I've listened to every single one of them. Um, but let's dial into to this specific thing. When did the Trans Rockies run come across, you know, your world as not only something that you were aware of, but something that you might end up doing? Well, like you said, uh, I was, you know, I was first introduced to this event through Allison Staples. Um, she participated in it uh, because she was, I think, a sponsored a- athlete through Under Armour back in 2019. And, uh, and I had asked if she would want to do an Instagram takeover for my other Instagram platform, Diverse We Run. And so, um, and so that's what we did. You know, it was like a, she did the three day, race um and the trans rockies run in general it is a three or six day race slash run i would just call it a run um through the rocky mountains in colorado and so every day you start and finish at a different point and on average you're covering about 20 miles per day over the course of potentially six days so 120 miles total and elevation i don't know like thousands of elevation gains, here to the moon basically. you know um and it's and you know you're camping out there um and just you have the opportunity to just be in one of the most beautiful beautiful scenic areas of the world you know um and at the same time doing probably one of the most physically demanding and challenging things ever <laughs> but um but yeah so Allison did that and um because the reception cell phone, you know, reception out there, um, 
is pretty spotty. What she did was she sent me all these pictures and videos um, at the end of each day. And then I would upload them, you know, onto the Instagram account. And just through that process, seeing her do that was just, I mean, it was incredible it, on so many levels, you know, and, um, and I'm also personally friends with Allison. And so I also got to hear her, her debrief and um, her processing of the entire event and just hearing about, I mean, just, you know, like what you were saying with ultra running and trail running in general, right? There's, there's just something very raw about it. And it takes you to a very vulnerable place with yourself. You know, um, there's a lot of introspection <laughs> that happens. There's a lot of personal reckoning that happens out on the trails. And, um, and so, yeah, like, you know, it was really amazing to watch her do that. But at the same time in my mind, I think I just subconsciously had just always thought like that I would never be able to do something like that. You know, just, I don't know. It just kind of was something that like I had not, I don't know. I just never envisioned myself doing. Um, maybe part of it is because I, I am by nature a very clumsy person and like I, was known all throughout high school and college for as the girl who would always trip and fall on her face. Like, not even kidding. That's just, that's just what I, I don't know. I, I have weak ankles, <laughs> you know? And, um, I mean, it got to the point where my friends would tease me and make fun of me about the fact that I have learned, I had learned to master the art of falling so <laughs> that I could like gracefully, you know, of all the things to the master curb. in this world, Carolyn, of all the things to master. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, the idea then of like skipping over rocks and stones and tree roots and gravel, all of that just was like, no, why, why would I? subject myself to that, you know? Um, and so I've, I've been a road runner ever since I started running and it's all about like the training plans for marathons, half marathons, all, all of that. Right. And, um, but, uh, at the end of last year, so December, 2020, um, Myrna Valerio, you know, the, the Minerva nader, <laughs> I can never the say Myrnavator. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Myrna, I think had looked at my Instagram and saw that at that time I had been doing a lot of hiking with my family, you know, as so many of us, I think did during the pandemic. And, um, and so I, I don't know, I think something went across her mind of like, Hey, Carolyn likes to be outside. <laughs> Why don't I check in with her and see if she would like to do this six day event <laughs> through the Rocky mountains? That makes sense. Was she um, working for them or how did it, how did like, why did she want to be like the, the intermediary there? <laughs> so, uh, yes, um, Myrna has been working with the race directors um, for many years, and she's been doing a lot of work in helping them to, you know, diversify the field. Um, and uh, so I think that's how she she was able to extend to me an invitation to join and participate in the event. And so at the time, you know, I had, I was actually in the process of building up strength after having surgery last year. And, um, and I, I had been working with my coach, Sarah Canny. And, um, so I asked Sarah, who my coach, you know, she is also a trail, she's a trail ultra runner. She's like a snowshoe runner, third third place snowshoe runner champion, I think, right, of the world. That's right. <laughs> so she's very familiar with what 
is involved in training for an event like this. And I definitely, I, as amazing as the opportunity sounded, I did not want to jump into something or commit to something at the expense of my own health, you know? And so I wanted to run that by my coach. She was very confident, you know, that I could train up for this event, which would be in August, beginning of August, you know, and at that time, like I said, it was December. So can I stop was, you there? Yeah, she was yeah, super yeah. confident. And obviously she has the chops to be like, all right, like I know from what I speak, were you hoping that she was going to say yes? Or were you kind of hoping that she'd be like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think I was like, I was just so excited at the opportunity. I think, I don't know. I think a little bit of both. I was like, you know, one of those, like, I hope she says yes. No, but I hope she says no. <laughs> right. Cause if she but, says no, then you're off the hook. Be like, oh, yeah. Marna, I totally wanted to, but yeah. I, my coach, you know, my coach said no. So I, I can't. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it, it was definitely one of those moments where I was like, super giddy running up and down the stairs in my house and like holding my breath and waiting to see what Sarah would text back. <laughs> um, but she was very confident that we could do this. And so I agreed. I told that, you know, I said yes to Myrna. And then two weeks later, at the beginning of January, I got injured. <laughs> Again. Again. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so, and it just, you, you know, Matt, like I have been dealing with different injuries since 2017, at least I think 2017, 2018. It feels like at least once a year, I find out <laughs> I'm injured in some way and then I have to spend the rest of the year in physical therapy and rehabbing my way through it. Um, and so, but this time around, I really thought that I had been very cautious and careful. And so this injury, I mean, I feel like every injury any runner experiences always feels out of the blue, right? And it always feels unexpected and, um, and really devastating in the moment, you know? Um, and I just couldn't understand why. And it just, it turned out like I had a bunch of stress reactions, um, in my right foot which is the same foot that I had surgery on um, oh. the previous year. Um, but what happened was, you know, I had surgery January of 2020 and I was supposed to start physical therapy March 2020. And as we all remember, what happened in March, <laughs> it just everything shut down. And so I could not, I didn't have an opportunity to start physical therapy but at that point, I kind of thought like, well, I've been through physical therapy before. I can just rehab myself, you know, and um, that's what I thought I was doing. And I I tried to do as best as I could um, and started running again. Yeah, but uh, part of that involved me also um, cross training a lot on the bike. And um, and it anyway, long story short, I think. Basically, what my sports medicine doctor and I determined was um, the narrowness of the spin shoes and um, the way that, you know, we have to clip in um, and the way that like then we ergonomically direct the force, you know, through our legs and our body. Um, it, it was just I think that was just too much force on my feet, um, especially 
especially considering the fact that I did not have proper rehab after surgery. So therefore, I also had weak, um, a weak skeletal structure and weak muscle tissue, you know, supportive um, tissue. And so all that combination of that is what resulted then in these stress reactions all over my the four feet, like metatarsal areas. And, um, and I had to, <laughs> I had to rest and go through this whole injury healing process again. So I didn't get to start physical therapy until May, uh, May this year. And again, the race was the May the of following August. year. May, yeah, 2021. 2021. This year. Yeah. Oh yeah. And now it's, a, and, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, what a kick in the pants it is when like your solution to the problem creates, exacerbates the problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, exactly. I got the solution right here. I got this bike. We're going to make it work. Like, nope, that's going to make it worse. Nice job. I know, right? Oh, what a bummer. Uh, but we're always learning more about our bodies and how to take care of ourselves better through through injury, right? And um, and something that uh, once we determined, you know, that I that it was really the the spin shoes that was all, like exacerbating things. Um, my husband 3D printed these like wide, I don't know, like wider platforms that we like clipped on to the bike clips <laughs> so that I could wear my regular sneakers to bike um, instead of having to clip in. This makes me so excited. So. I'm so excited for your husband who has had to <laughs> endure the shame of you making fun of his 3D printing on Instagram. <laughs> am, I, am I making fun? <laughs> there's there's a lot of tongue in cheek poking fun at the 3D printing. I feel like I've seen it on occasion, maybe more than on occasion. <laughs> and here he is solving problems, making the world a better place with his 3d printer we're a good match in this way <laughs> he's the engineer that helps me here as i'm constantly running around and because <laughs> yeah, I, I like you have those posts up you'd be like what i'm doing and it's like this list of ten thousand things and then it'd be like what my husband is doing and it's like he created like a 3d printed death star like, I know. in the basement <laughs> Ah uh, yes, everybody has our uh, has had we've had our way of coping with the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad you were able to, to solve the problem. I mean, that's obviously not getting to physical therapy is like you know not not the biggest travesty that happened in 2020, but it's it's a real thing, right? These are real things that happen to a lot of people. Like everyone's way of life changed, especially around that time. And it's 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 interesting to how like especially when it's like in March. Because it's what everything everything that happened in March of that year was like when like you had stuff scheduled, but there also wasn't enough time to like adjust according to like what was coming, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and it was like everyone had stuff in March, but like oh March, right? It was like the April, May, June. It's like all right, I was able to plan a little bit, but <laughs> what are you going to do? All right, so beginning of this year, you get injured again. Right. You thought you solved the problem. All of a sudden it, it, it rears its, it rears its ugly head again. Here comes another running injury after you just committed. Yes. I'm going to do the hardest running event I've ever heard of. I remember I've ever considered. <laughs> I'm going to do it. My coach finally cleared me. Boom. Running injury. Start the year. Right. Like the ink was probably still wet on your like 2021 New Year's resolutions. <laughs> so how did, how did you handle that? Oh, there was a lot of crying. <laughs> there was a lot of grieving, honestly, just a lot of asking, like, how could this have happened? And what caused this, you know, kind of just bouncing back and forth between problem solving mode and just feeling 
to like having an existential crisis of like, maybe I was not meant to be a runner, you know, and those types of questions. And, um, also feeling like, I don't know, in some, to some degree that it proves my incredibility, not incredibility, but like, it makes me lose credibility as a runner. There was, there was kind of that feeling too. Like the imposter syndrome of the whole thing? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, one of the, one of the main reasons I decided to, um, to do the Trans Rockies run was because I wanted to build representation. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to show up in that trail and ultra running space as an Asian American female, you know, and, um, to not only like take up space in that world, um, but also to hopefully show other, other Asian Americans, you know, at the very least, if not like other people of color that like, we can do this, you know, and like we can, we can see ourselves. Like I wanted to help other people be able to see themselves too, you know, uh, in a part of this sport. And so, um, I had already at that point started thinking about, you know, reaching out to, uh, different brands and companies to help sponsor, uh, help sponsor me to do that because <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot entailed in preparing for an event like that. And, um, and so all of a sudden with this injury, it did make me question and it made me feel like, well, now I have, I have nothing to go on, you know, like, I have nothing to offer <laughs> um, if I'm asking of uh, other people, of other companies, you know. Um, so there was definitely a lot of that, those emotions as well. And um, but I'm yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's a great point. It's something that you and I have talked about offline several times because we have seemingly injured. <laughs> our injuries seem to happen concurrently <laughs> all the time. And we have a similar situation where like you with running the Diverse We Run account, which has gained and understandably so and thankfully so, so much notoriety uh, over the past couple of years. You're someone who's playing an active and leading role in the running space in many ways. And when you can't run when you're in the running space, it does take an emotional toll. And that's something that you and I have, have experienced. Again, you're much more familiar in the running space than I am. But like when you have a running podcast, you talk about running and then you're not running. It feels like there's this, you know, this cognitive dissonance between what you want to do and what you are doing. And it can be, it can be tough, man. That's for sure. And I, and I, and I, I hear what you're, what you're talking about. And I've certainly been there. And when you're going through weighing the whole, like, all right, like, I'm doing all this stuff, but the running stuff isn't going well. What, in addition to, to, to the, you know, being in the running space, you're also tackling major issues that have, you know, a lasting and impactful significance on people. And when you have that experience of like, oh, and I'm injured as a runner, did you ever feel like that is like, all right, I shouldn't worry so much about that. I got all these other major things happening because I can not saying that you should feel that way, but I can imagine someone like you who's taken on so much the gravity of all your other endeavors. I can see that being like, oh, but how do these things even I'm equating them in my head, but they're not equal. I think something that I learned to do in 2020 was to compartmentalize um, just because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to function or take care of my family with all the things that was, that were going on, you know, in the world and in our country. Um, 
And so that part, honestly, um, was easy. I don't know, easy, but like it was, it felt natural to, um, focus on uh, continuing to, um, to advocate, you know, for other people groups and to continue working on um, contacting other runners of color in the community to work on their stories. And, you know, that all of that, like it, I'm thankful that I had that, honestly, to continue to focus on. Um, I think, of course, what was hard is, um, is just personally feel wondering, like, where my story was heading, you know? Um, and what if I continue, what if this is like going to be an endless perpetual cycle or you know, those types of questions. And I think the easy thing to do sometimes is just to like, to ignore the feelings because it's uncomfortable to have to face your own fears, <laughs> you know, your own what ifs. Um, but that so i felt like that was where a lot of the heavy lifting and work uh was yeah uh, having to force myself to just like write down or list out loud what are the things that i'm actually afraid of happening you know and um and then from there working through what all those fears are stemmed to um and recognizing whether or not those are rooted in truth, <laughs> if that makes sense. I feel like I'm talking very vaguely or like ambiguously <laughs> right now, but yeah, it's a lot of mental, you know how it is. Like when you're injured, it's a lot of mental, emotional work that uh, happens. Yeah, but that makes a lot of sense too. I mean, I've, I know you've heard this plenty of times, as have I. Of like when you're struggling, the easiest thing to do is focus on other people in a genuine way. And it can um, maybe isn't like a long-term solution to how you're feeling, but can definitely be a great short-term one, whatever short-term happens to mean given the, whatever episode or circumstances are. Um, and I totally see that. But in at the same time, obviously like as diverse we run was taking off and it really like came to a crescendo around last year, around this time, things were really like, you know, it was, it was of the moment and something that was also, you know, lasting and impactful and, and evergreen. Um, you know, you're in addition to it getting, um, in that account getting a lot of press. Obviously, you're going to get press as a person who's running it, right? It's not this amorphous thing. You are the person behind it. And it must think to be like, yes. And how, how's your running going? Oh, I'm not doing any running right now. I'm, I'm, I hurt my, I hurt my foot again riding the bike, you know, or whatever. Like, <laughs> I still haven't mastered falling down yet. I'm going to get there someday. <laughs> Lifelong process there, that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think honestly, thankfully, I guess I can say now, um, all the previous seasons of injury really forced me to have to, you know, learn to define myself outside of just being a runner. And, um, and I, you know, these lessons in identity that we, we get throughout life, I think we continue to have opportunities to revisit them <laughs> and, um, and kind of like grow stronger, I guess, in them, uh, with every injury or with every unexpected thing, you know, that happens that takes away something that we, um, that is such an integral part of 
who we are or what we enjoy, it is an opportunity to kind of like reevaluate and reassess and kind of like redefine to yourself, like, who am I and what do I stand for? What am I about? Um, and just to recognize how, you know, we are enough, even apart from our abilities to run, even apart from our performance, you know? Um, so there was a lot of, yeah, having to think through that and work through that constantly on a day-to-day basis. Um, yeah. I'm thankful that at least right now I can identify when those thoughts and feelings are coming up as opposed to them just kind of like dominating, you know, like how I feel. I remember listening to a, a ginger runner live, either either watching watching YouTube or listening to the podcast and talking to a guest and, and the guest said, listen, you're never more a runner than when you're injured from a running injury. Because we're all, we've all done it. We've all been there. Nothing makes you more of a runner than that feeling, even if you feel apart from running during that rehab. Speaking of rehab, get her January. What did it, you know, not to take me like week by week, but what was the broad based approach in terms of getting you from injured to getting you back on the road in a way that not only was sustainable, but could set you up to really t- to handle some serious mileage because you had to get ready to do. 20 miles a day with unbelievable climbing at altitude, which is, first of all, you live in Metro Boston, which means you're not at altitude. It means (laughs) you're not, you don't have access to a lot of trails as we had John Levitt on here last week talking about the difference between running in Metro Boston and running in Colorado. Like you got to experience that as well. And so you you don't have the, you don't have the altitude. You don't have the, um, the, the trail and you haven't built up a lot of mileage. So what were you able to do to get you to the point where you could start to tackle some of that. It's so wild to think about <laughs> as you're, as you're like calling it all out right now, I'm like, Oh my, what did, what was I doing? <laughs> That's just absurd. Um, but yeah, so like I said, I wasn't clear to start physical therapy until May, uh, which meant January through May. <laughs> and, and again, like I was, I got injured, not running, but biking. <laughs> so, it, you know, it wasn't, until we had identified the cause, you know, of the stress reactions, a lot of time was was spent doing all these like, you know, non-weight bearing <laughs> exercises, which thankfully at this point now, if you, you know, type those search words into Google or to YouTube, there are a lot more offered now that's not only for like elderly patients, I guess you could say. I think that's kind of historically what these types of, you know, non-weight bearing workouts were. Um, but now, uh, there's, there are a lot of different workouts, um, that can still get your heart rate elevated to a degree. And, um, and then, uh, you know, my coach, she, she modified a lot of things for me as well. Of course, like nothing, <laughs> nothing can like compare to the, to the sport of running, of course. But, um, but once we figured out, like I said, once we were able to then try biking with just sneakers, um, it really, it helped a lot. And I, I found a bike off of, um, our, my neighborhood's free Facebook group. And I was able to like bike around outside, <laughs> which was nice. Um, and then we slowly transitioned to more workouts indoors on the bike to get the heart rate up. Um, and we just built up until I was able to start physical therapy. Um, yeah. 
in May. And so at that point, like I actually started physical therapy, like PT exercises on the regular. And again, your coach knows more than I do, especially when it comes to mountain running. Lord knows she's, she's, you know, an expert at that, not only because of what she's been able to do, but where she lives. She lives in, she lives in New Hampshire. She's in the mountains right now. Um, and Sarah's been on this show a couple of times and uh, she's fantastic. So I would think that biking, as useful as it can be for cross training, for for running is even more useful if you're trying to get ready for a mountain event. If for no other reason, then it really does like burn the quads and the glutes, right? <laughs> I love the idea of the glutes, like great euphemism from what we actually really call it in real life. Um, <laughs> Cause it's like, I, you know, I'm on the bike occasionally as well. I'm coming back from my own injuries. And like, every time I do that, I'm like, this is harder than the strength workouts I'm doing on my legs. Like <laughs> by the time I'm done, my legs are quivering from the bike as opposed to like the lunges and the squats. Like I would think that those workouts would make, but even more useful for someone in your circumstance who's really trying to work on leg strength to, to tackle uh, the mountain adventure that you had on tap. Yeah. Um, we did a wide variety uh, and combination of different exercises. I was actually quite surprised, honestly. Um, Sarah is, I mean, Sarah's an amazing coach and she is so comprehensive. And so um, every day was something different. And there would be days where it's just like easy biking, just to kind of build that cardiovascular base, you know, and then other days where it would be more intense, plus, you know, different strength work on different body, body parts, you know, and then all of that countered with then like slowly building up a return to run program. Um, you know, both her and my PT, uh, we like all communicated together, uh, to figure out like how to safely incorporate that. And then, I mean, I felt like it was soon after that I started doing longer runs on the trail. And that was a big, that was a big paradigm shift for me because um, especially, you know, like I was saying, like going from road running where you have to be so I feel like you have to be so careful at how quickly you um, you increase your mileage, you know, like weekly mileage. Right. Otherwise, like that impact on the pavement is just it's just too it's really hard, you know, on your body. Um, so when I saw like I think my first long run on the trail was like two hours or something. <laughs> and I, yeah, that's exact. that was exactly my facial <laughs> expression of like, what? <laughs> Does she have me confused with another athlete? <laughs> um, but it's just, it was really, I guess, surprising um, to see how much more quickly I think my body was able to adapt to trail running, um, and to recover as well. Like I didn't, um, I didn't feel that like total body achiness or soreness the next day, despite having spent, you know, two hours on a trail. Um, that's wow. So you, so you did way more and felt way better, which is a, it's a strange combination. Yeah. And I think what also helped though, was I, I think because I am now so familiar with injury. <laughs> I did, I really did not focus on the pace. You know, um, I approached every trail run with the mindset of like, okay, let's see, let's see what we can do today and let's, let's go have fun and, um, let's just, let's just see what can happen. Like, what are the opportunities 
that, uh, that are awaiting, you know? Um, and I just listened to my body. And when I wanted to run, then I would run. And then when I wanted to kind of walk for a bit and catch my breath, I would do that as well. But of course, you know, naturally the trails like will do that. There are going to be like climbs or like descents that will slow, like force you to have to be slower. But um, definitely it was like, okay, putting my ego and pride to the side, not worrying at all about how fast I'm going or how graceful I might be moving. <laughs> it was just all about like, let's just spend time on my feet and go have fun. So I think that helped a lot. <laughs> And given where you live, are you able to just go out the door and get to a trail? Are you driving to a trail? Like, you know, being so close to, you know, an urban environment and you're like in a heavy suburban environment, I guess I would call it. It's kind of like suburban plus where I'm familiar with where you live. Like, it's not like I live in a suburban area, but it's different from where you live. Um, So what's the access like from a trail perspective? Well, I do have a car. So that's helped a lot. And, um, we have two. Yeah. We have about two <laughs> trails that are about like a half hour, um, driving distance where, where it's actually, there is more elevation slightly. Um, and the, the trails go on for longer than at least like eight miles. So that's what I consider like <laughs> trails here. Um, but, but it's still not the same as, you know, obviously like the Rocky Mountains. And so um, a- after a few weeks, my coach did find um, she well, she had me going out to the the ski ski slopes that are in Massachusetts. Um, there's an area called Wachusett, and that's where all the families go in the wintertime to go skiing. But of course, you know, in the summertime, it's just like lots of lots of trails that are open. And so I would drive an hour each way um, on the weekends then to like go running up and down the ski slopes uh, for like four to five hours um, just to try to get or mimic, you know, that elevation and the climbs. That is wild. All right. So <laughs> beyond like, hey, the, the ups and downs, a major thing, especially for a Northeast trail runner, I know there's a lot of this all over the country, but in the Northeast, it's kind of like part and parcel with just being around here is the roots and the rocks. And these are like the two things that make me personally so petrified. Every time I hit the trail, you're looking at me right now, I got my glasses on. I can't run on the trails <laughs> without my glasses, but it's also hard to run with glasses. So I had to like figure out how ways to strap them down. I'm still going through that process of really getting to that point. What's it been like for you as someone who just started this whole podcast talking about your proclivity for falling down? What's it like <laughs> at the rocks and the roots as not only someone who's tried up mileage, but someone who's coming off of foot injuries and making sure that you're not going to like, you know, you obviously want to be wary of it, but you also don't want to be in the mindset where all you're thinking about is like that foot or or whatever, right? Because you don't want to like unintentionally like create another injury just by focusing on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. A lot of my my inner dialogue on the trails is just don't fall, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. <laughs> the power of negative thinking. <laughs> so, uh, um, but, you know, it was really cool, honestly, to just see the fruit of the fruit of my labor in doing all of these seemingly tedious 
uh, strength workouts and physical therapy exercises because it's very, very clear. Like any person who has had to like assess um, my foot strength, ankle strength, any of that, like they, everybody can tell, like I have very, very loose ankles, very weak ankles. Um, and so I have spent a lot of time, you know, doing calf raises um, and doing just various like glute, hip, core workouts. Sarah constantly has me doing dead bugs on the ground, <laughs> um, holding weights up, you know, and um, and a lot of times, honestly, I'm just like, okay, let's just do this, get it over with. <laughs> and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like you're being as productive as if you're doing like those power squats, you know, with like pushing weights overhead as well and all of that. But on the trails, um, all of those micro movements, you know, that's what, that's what's needed. And so it's been really, really cool, um, to see, especially on the days where it's like pouring rain and cold and I'm trying to not slip and fall on all the little bitty rocks everywhere and, um, and seeing like that muscle memory, you know, of those dang dead bugs, you know, <laughs> like those exercises like coming up and, um, and realizing like, oh, all of those minutes and that have added up to hours, you know, um, over these weeks and months, like, that's what's engaging, you know, my body right now to respond. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's like a very obvious, duh, <laughs> what strength training will actually help. <laughs> but yeah, like that's, I, it just goes to say, it goes to show, I think that like strength, strength training, it, even these like small, tedious, seemingly tedious exercises, like they all make a big difference in the long run. No, but you make a good point because sometimes it isn't like that duh feeling because oftentimes these sorts of exercises, and I've talked about this, I think it was on Jason Fitzgerald's podcast, the Strength Running Podcast. I was on, I had a chance to talk to him like last month and I was telling him like, I didn't do a lot of those things before because I never really hurt myself running. I would hurt myself doing basically everything else in my life, <laughs> but never running. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, I don't need to do all these exercises because I'm not getting hurt. What I failed to realize was that if I did them, I would be a better athlete. Like I was looking at it from the opposite side and that was not the right mindset. It was not the right frame of reference for me. So it is instructive for you to say like, I was noticing that I was a better athlete because I was doing these things as opposed to merely being like a proactive way not to get injured, which is like, if you're not injured, you're not like, well, see, it proves that this worked. You'd be like, well, maybe. Or was I just lucky? I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to kind of prove the negative type thing. But hearing you say that really is exciting. So you put in all this time, all this effort. You're working with with, with you know, great professionals to get you ready. As the months turn from July to August, the race is coming near. And it's no longer a thing you're building towards and you're something you're excited for. You're about to fly out to Colorado, make this happen. What was it like when you were, you know, all of a sudden it was directly in front of you and you had to really grasp the fact that you're about to do something that was even at your most fit, most prepared was one heck of a challenge. It was, I mean, I think it was overwhelming, but so much so to the point where it's almost like I was probably in shock <laughs> the whole time um, and kind of numb to any of the feelings of it. Um, 
I just, I think definitely the weeks leading up to Trans Rockies, I was so focused on making sure I had everything that I needed. Um, and that, that was also a new thing that I had to learn, um, very quickly, you know, like what gear is needed and having to figure out nutrition, um, beyond just the, the like gels, you know, and, um, and getting the right shoes, getting all, like all of these things and like emergency blanket, first aid kit and all, you know, all of those <laughs> miscellaneous items that we need to somehow be able to carry with us <laughs> while we're like traversing the mountains for 20 miles a day. Uh, that was all like, okay, where's the checklist? Let me make sure I got all these things done. Let me make sure all of my sponsors, you know, everything is lined up. And at the same time, I was entering peak weeks <laughs> in training. So physically, I'm like so fatigued and tired uh, from everything. And um, and also then I think emotionally uh, trying to not feel like I wasn't there for my family, you know, um, which is. Yeah, you can't do everything, right? Yeah, I mean. yeah. It's tough. So, um, so, yeah, I think I felt like. Probably if I was feeling anything, I was just juggling all of these things. Um, yeah, to try to get ready for this. Basically, I would be out in Colorado for two weeks because I wanted to fly out a few days early to try to somehow somewhat acclimate to the altitude. Um, I only I found out later that it takes like months to actually really adjust, not just like three days. But um, but hey, you know, <laughs> ignorance. You is earned bliss. a vacation. <laughs> Who cares? Cares yeah. the reason. So so tell us about what your daughter Chloe said to you the oh, night God. before you headed out. <laughs> oh man, Chloe came in the room. She was like watching me pack all this stuff. I had everything laid out, you know, all over my bed, on the ground, everywhere. And she was, she looks at me and she was like, Mama, why are you even doing this? It seems miserable. <laughs> I was like, What? <laughs> well, <laughs> You're not raw. <laughs> Maybe right, it's it almost, might be. It's kind of the point, I guess. I know. What? What are you doing here? Get out of here! <laughs> but um, but yeah, like I love that. I love that she asked that though, just because like it it helped me first of all to reflect again, you know, to remind myself like why I why am I doing this? You know why. Why did I decide to take this on and why am I still choosing to follow through? And it, you know, again, it goes back down to representation and how important I find that to be. And the fact that, you know, my daughter, I mean, both my kids, you know, have seen me um, working hard in preparing for this, not and not just for this race, but, you know, just in general, <laughs> all their lives, really. Um, just uh, at the very least, the message of like, just because something might be uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not worth pursuing, you know? And um, just because something might feel scary or unknown or impossible also doesn't mean that we can't do it. And so, um, so yeah, like, a lot of that. And it's really, it means a lot to me knowing that for 
Chloe and Joshua, you know, my kids, being a runner and being engaged with this sport and with this community, it's a normal thing, like in their worldview. They don't know anything otherwise, you know, and um, and it's been a huge joy to be able to share in in these workouts with them or and of course being able to share in races with them being able to go to races and and cheer you know with them um it's just it it's something that i you know for myself growing up i did not experience and i know um even like for my parents their generation and also in their in my hometown like community um back in texas um it's still not necessarily like a norm. Um, in fact, I was talking with my parents before I flew out to Colorado. Um, and my mom was like, yeah, you are never a normal Chinese girl. <laughs> and I was like, what is, what does that mean? She's like, you are always very challenging. <laughs> like, do you mean? I like to take on challenges or was I challenging to you? <laughs> and she was like, all of the above, you know, that like, it just wasn't something that like, I, I constantly, I'm a very active person and, um, and yeah, I guess in a way, like I do seek out challenges. <laughs> um, and uh, as a mom, I can very much understand why that would be very aggravating <laughs> to right, parent a child enough, like that. As if it wasn't hard enough already. <laughs> this kid's asking so, me a bunch of questions. So yeah. So, you know, like I am, I'm glad that my kids are able to see that. And, um, and I just think about you know, the community, the greater community around us. And so anyway, yeah, of course, I said something in much simpler terms to answer my daughter that night when she was asking why I'm doing this. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's a great point, though, because it shows the point, like, this is a much more acute version of like, why representation matters, right? Even if you've never did anything in a public setting, this is familiar representation where like, hey, my mom, my dad, and other people in my family potentially are doing this. So all of a sudden this is the norm or a norm. I should say not the norm, it's a norm, right? Yeah. For certain mm -hmm. people. And um, and that can be so valuable. Again, even if it's just like subject, even if it's like um, what's the word? If they don't know right away, right? I had this conversation with a bunch of people. And I, don't, I don't know if you go through the same thing. Like, I'll hear myself saying something similar to what you said, uh, to a degree, but like, oh, my kids see me do XYZ. And then part of me is like, but do they? Do they really? Like, they, we don't talk about it. Like, is it just going over their head completely? And then I've talked to someone about it. They're like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, they're definitely getting it. You just don't realize it yet. They'll figure it out later. And a part of me is like, I sure hope so, because I am spending a lot of time doing this. Um, so you go out there, right? You have these this kind of dual purpose of, like, you want to do something awesome. And this community outreach, not outreach, this community role of, like, hey, like, representation, we're going to connect, we're going to do something awesome, and by way of that, by sharing that awesome experience, we're going to show not only the people who were at this race, but the broader community like, hey, this is something that we all can, can get into. And, and I'm oversimplifying this horribly. But anyway, you go out there. I'm trying to set the stage. And again, I'm doing that badly as well. You go out there and you connect with a lot of people out there. And it's been fun following along on social media as well. It comes across as an enormous party. 
<laughs> is this is this what it felt like in real life? Again, obviously, oh there were moments on the trail which were, did not feel like a party. Probably felt like the exact opposite of a party. But just from a social perspective, what was it like? Because it seemed like we were all missing out on something awesome. Yeah, yeah, you were. <laughs> So Trans Rockies Run 2022, guys. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it it was pretty. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I gotta say, um, this year going there and already actually before that, um, being able to connect with many of the other runners who are going and who are being sponsored by different companies to go. Um, yeah, that was already really cool to be able to kind of talk with them and kind of for most of us it was our first trail and ultra like multi-stage type of event um and there but at the same time there were actually um many other runners of color there who have done different ultra races before um yeah which you know of course in my mind i'm kind of like hmm why haven't we heard your stories? <laughs> like, I want to talk to people. If only there was a forum for that. <laughs> if only there was a platform <laughs> that shared them. Um, so, yeah. Um, it felt like I was walking into, like, your old college dorm room or something where, like, you have all your friends who are there and everyone's kind of, like, hanging out. And you walk in and, like, oh, hey, you know. There's this, like, sense of familiarity that was already there. Um, I think because we all kind of knew that like we were there for a very, w- w- for a similar purpose, you know, like we all wanted to be there to help build diversity and representation. Um, and on top of that, we we're all there to like have an adventure and have fun, you know? So, um, that kind of, you know, mutual feeling of like we're in this, we're going to do this together. That really helped. Um, make me feel less alone. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah, because I love that the way you framed it was like the, the two reasons, right? Like the, the familial part, we're all in this together, but also like here brought to you an adventure, right? Like I've had ultra runners on here before who are like, hey, ultra running is just different because what you just described, like that, that second part of your answer of like, hey, we're all about to do something crazy. We're all going to do different paces, but this is crazy and <laughs> we can't be like super type A about it. We just got to go like, you know, make this happen. And it does have like a, you know, it's almost like that bonding experience that um, even if it's not, even if that's not the point necessarily, it kind of seems like it happened so uh, effortlessly given those circumstances, which is certainly uh, far different than even, you know, high profile road races where you can have that, but it's not like a almost default part of the setting. It sounds like you can like you have to kind of create that experience for yourself as opposed to like it just kind of being part of the adventure itself. Um, so let's get into it. Day one's coming up, right? It's all a mere, a mere 20 miles and what, 15,000 feet of climbing or so? Yeah. Like, yeah. so take, take me to that starting line feeling. We've all had starting line feelings from the Thanksgiving turkey trot to something far greater I've been nervous at every single starting line I've ever been at, like the need to urinate all over myself, no matter how many times I've gone to the bathroom (laughs) and the fear and the trepidation and all that stuff, even for the most simple races I've ever been in. (laughs) What was your starting line feeling for this sucker? 
So it was definitely different from um, a road race because usually I think for road races, I'm kind of like, okay, I have this like goal time, you know, in mind. And I'm like reviewing the strategy of how I'm going to run each mile um, and like looking at the splits that I write on my arm. <laughs> but for this, I mean, I, I was just like, okay, we're going to do this. I have no idea how it's going to play out, but I'm planning to make it to the finish. So, all right, let's go, you know? And it was almost like a freeing, a more freeing mindset to approach things with. Um, and definitely, of course, also first day, high energy. Everyone's like, yeah, let's do this, you know? And, um, but then I, I think I like effectively blacked out for the rest. Until the very end, because um, a large portion of this. So we started. Where did we start? Oh, my gosh. Oh, Buena Vista, um, Colorado. And um, a lot of the trail for that stage was out in the open, like open grassland, I guess you would say. Lots of wildflowers. And then there were portions that you're kind of going through um, larger, rocky. I mean, OK, I'm like terrible at describing geography but i'm like caverns i don't know <laughs> i don't know where you're like kind of going through like a valley but you're surrounded by rock like large rocks <laughs> okay this is that sounds of, great yeah I'm like yeah so don't we'll, you see we'll you know caverns. see the picture <laughs> Jeez. but um but yeah and of course there's a lot of climbing a lot of climbing um and what i do remember though from that was the conversations that I was able to have with the people around me. Um, I, I don't, yeah, I, I just happened to on the first day, um, I was around everybody I was around that we all kind of ended up like going around the same pace together. Um, we were all different runners of color from, um, different cities, mostly New York, Baltimore, areas. Um, and we were just able to have very open and honest conversations about like why we were each there um, and what our thoughts have been this whole process so far, um, what is what our experiences have, have been like in um, in this like trail community, um, especially in light of last year. And um, it was just, it was, I guess, like, almost like an exhale, you know, um, emotionally to be able to not have to explain, I guess, you know, explain myself anymore than I needed to, um, but to just be understood already, you know? Um, and I felt that the others around me sensed and felt the same way as well of like, yeah, knowing what it's like to be a person of color, to be a minority in these like very, you know, white centered spaces. Um, and we were also able to kind of like reflect upon some of the things already that were like said and done, um, even the day preceding the race. Um, at one point there was a history lesson that was given and, um, and, you know, I think we all have, areas to grow in, I should say. Uh, but the history lesson was pretty uh, whitewashed, I would say, and um, really didn't acknowledge, you know, the um, the native sovereignty of the land um, and 
gave a very one-sided, I think, version of um, of what happened in the in the city that we were starting in. Like every day, every day there was a history lesson to kind of like give the context of the city that we were camping in and that we were going to be running through. Um, but uh, it just, I think that would be another area of growth and learning, um, that need, that can be, uh, done. But, um, but yeah, like the runners around me, we were, we talked about that as well and about the importance of, um, of why I think, uh, diversity, um, and representation matter, even in these settings and how, like, if there were more, indigenous runners who were participating in the event, like kind of considering what the impact would have been for them specifically, having heard, having heard that context of history and then needing to kind of get themselves together to like run 20 miles the next day, you know, Um, and how those are all factors in, you know, creating a safe and inclusive environment for, for people. So yeah, there was a lot of that kind of conversation. (laughs) happening um which may sound i guess which may sound heavy um on the surface but it's just it was like i said it was very freeing to be able to talk with uh, talk about you know with people and um and then yeah like finally i i mean i was so tired it yeah I was barely hanging on. <laughs> um, I was going to say, like, these are these are hard topics. Even if, like, people understand where you're coming from, you don't have to explain every little thing. Like, yeah, yeah. The challenge itself is hard. <laughs> Never mind doing it while oh trying to, gosh. like, mental process a lot of this stuff. I can imagine at some point you're being like, all right, I just I just have to. Yeah. I just I don't have know. to focus we, here. Yeah. We weren't, like, talking nonstop the whole time. <laughs> okay. Like, definitely, lo- there were long moments of just everybody's heavy breathing, trying to not lose our shit, you know? <laughs> so, finally, at the end, I don't even, I think it was, like, the last, oh, gosh. What was it? At least last mile or two. Um I remember seeing kind of like I, I remember hearing, hearing the cheers and I knew, okay, the finish, the finish has to be ahead if I hear people cheering. And then, um, we cross, we, we approach this one bridge and, um, Ben Chan, do you know him? He's, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's also an ultra runner, trail runner. Um, his Instagram is, uh, male runner, <laughs> just. At male runner, um, but anyway, so Ben was you got the standing. Instagram early, obviously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so he was in the mid- standing in the middle of that bridge with just his little leopard print speedo <laughs> on, as he's like cheering, cheering for everyone, like "Yeah, let's go, runners!" And so that was that was like you can't help but just like smile and laugh. We got over that bridge. And I was like, okay, am I done? No, not done. Because for whatever reason, they decided to put the last like 0.22 miles like uphill. <laughs> he had to like, he had to go around a corner and it was like uphill to the finishing shoot. And I had to stand and like catch my breath for several, it felt like several minutes, probably just a few seconds. But then I like mustered all of my energy, whatever I had left to like run through that finish just like arms raised and I saw, I mean, yeah, when the announcer called my name and said, yeah, when she called my name and said where I was from, I don't know what it was about that. Like, not only 
it's not like I have a difficult name to pronounce or anything like that, but like there was something about just being seen and like identified. It just, my tears started coming out and then I crossed the finish line. She saw me and she was like, congratulations. And she gave me a big hug and I just lost it. Like I burst into tears. I was sobbing and then she was sobbing and everyone around us were (laughs) all sobbing. Um, And it was just, it was very, very emotional. And then I just thought, hold up. I got five more days of this. Yeah, that's not really a finish line. That's just like a, that's like a timeout line. Like you, yeah, let's do this again tomorrow. Yeah. But you know, you can't, you can't do that. You can't like think of all the days all at once. You just have to be in the moment and just celebrate and relish in that. And then, yeah. Mm, I know. Right. Yeah. That that realization (laughs) of like, wait, what? Yeah. I'm doing this tomorrow morning. (laughs) I'm not going to think about that. I just don't. (laughs) Just going to keep pushing that off. (laughs) All right. So you had just done arguably one of the hardest things you'd ever done, right? Day one, one of the hardest things you've ever done, right? So obviously, like, this is not a one-day challenge. So did you have a plan for how you were going to recover after these experiences? And if so, how did that manifest itself with the reality of, like, you're also hanging around with a bunch of fun people that you <laughs> want to enjoy and have that experience with and all of that? Yeah. So I, um, I knew that I wanted to get massages every day, which was offered. Um, that was like a separate, you could pay a separate fee to get massage therapy or they had those Normatec boots that you could use as well. And so, um, Kristen Dorn, Dornboss. Kristen Dornboss. Yes. Fan a paper trails. F- friend of the show. <laughs> yes. A paper trails greeting company. So she herself is also a licensed massage therapist. So she sponsored me for, uh, all, uh, for massages for all six days, um, of the race to recover. So I knew I was going to have that. Um, and then apart from that, you know, my coach just continued to emphasize hydrate, 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 like keep flushing out, you know, all of the lactic acid. And um, also it was just to help um, acclimate to the altitude as well to constantly be drinking fluids, um, electrolytes, and to prioritize sleep. So really, my goal was to be ready for bed by 8 p.m. every day, which wasn't hard to do because my body was ready for that anyway. Um, and in, so I didn't I was not someone who stayed up late to socialize <laughs> every evening. I definitely was so dog tired by that point. Um, but and also the fact that we were camping and, you know, the last time I went camping was way back, like in college, I had gone camping one time before. And so this was also <laughs> going to be a different thing. I had my, my sleep gummies and I had my earplugs. I really, like I said, I really wanted to prioritize sleep because that's kind of one of the few things, right? Like aside from, I mean, there's nothing else you can really do to help your body recover as sleep, hydrate, maybe some like muscle tissue, you know, <laughs> um, manipulation. And that's about that. And then you just kind of like hope for the best. <laughs> That was my strategy to recover. So tell me about your adventures in running through those points of like, I can't go on anymore. But then knowing we got to keep going. (laughs) Oh, I definitely hit that hard on the second day where we climbed Hope Pass, which um, is what I, gosh, I wish I 
I wish I had looked up the stats <laughs> beforehand here, but it was something ridiculous, like 9,000 feet uh, elevation. Um, but what was tricky about that was also that it the path itself was only wide enough for one person. So everybody had to be single file up this one trail up the mountain. And it had been raining all night and all morning. So then everything was muddy and slick. So if you can imagine 300 something people all going up that same path, and then you have this super steep mountain on one side of you, like the terrain, you know, it's all rocks and mushrooms. And then to your right, it's just like, Straight down. <laughs> and this so. is like the legendary spot. If anyone's heard of Leadville 100, this is like the legendary, iconic Hope Pass that you've heard of. Yes, yes. I mean, we started in Leadville, which is like the highest, highest city in the country. And then we're like climbing another two and a half, three miles up vertically. And that two and a half miles took me like four hours just to get up because I felt like every step was just sludgy. Like I, I was maybe even if I took like a step that was what, like one foot high or something with the amount of mud that still slid down with the step was like another half of a foot. So, oh, <laughs> uh, and so definitely. And, and on top of that, you know, the air was so thin. I was having trouble breathing and I felt completely winded already. Um, you know, just like a mile in. Um, and I definitely got to this point of like, I can't, I can't do this. What, how am I going to, I don't know how I'm going to make it to the top. This is, I don't, I just don't know. I, I literally don't know how I'm going to make it not only to the top, but then also knowing I had to finish, like finish another 10 plus miles on the other side. And then at the same time, you know, person after person, was passing me, you know, uh, because I just, I could not, I was so out of breath. Um, and so finally I started to queue up podcasts <laughs> again to listen to. And I happened to listen to one, uh, with Allie Feller and Erica Sarah. Um, two, of, two, I know. Nice. <laughs> two of my, two favorite of my faves. people. Yeah. Um, and Erica was sharing, uh, you know, her, her story and, uh, more or less her, her uh, grandparents. Um, story. And so all of her grandparents are uh, Holocaust survivors. And, um, and at one point she said something to the extent of, you know, it was that, like, they knew that they couldn't quit. Like they had to keep pressing on because if they didn't, then the alternative was unbearable. And so because of that, her family and what she felt also was passed on to her was that even in the midst of circumstances that seem utterly impossible and devastating, um, you just figure it out and you just keep going because the alternative is unbearable. And I don't know why, like, even though that's not like some peppy motivational, you know, it's not going on a poster or anything, but, um, but for some reason, when she said that, I just, I don't know, it just really hit me. It resonated. And I just thought, well, yeah, like I could quit. I could just sit here. <laughs> and then what? I'm going to be stuck on this mountain 
Um, but I don't know. You just got to keep pressing forward. That's that. And so I just, I started counting. I started counting to 10 over and over. And I just did that on repeat. Like in my mind, just one, two. And like every step was a, was a count, you know, every step forward and using my little trekking poles, every movement forward was a count, got to 10. And then just remind myself it's either quit or what, you know, and I just kept climbing and going and, and I'd pause when I needed to pause. And then I just got myself back together again and just kept going. And then eventually made it to the top. And then I met a couple of other women who were going about at the same pace as I was thinking the same <laughs> dark thoughts. Um, and then the three of us like climbed and, and we eventually made our descent down and, and we finished <laughs> somehow. Um, and we finished like, I remember, yeah, we, um, we made it to that finish. We decided to all link arms and like run through <laughs> the last however many meters. And I, and there was no, there were no tears or anything. I think it was just that day. It was just pure relief of like having done it and. Honestly, I think that was that was the hardest and the darkest <laughs> moment of yeah, not of my life per se, but yeah. <laughs> when you were planning this trip, were you on some level hoping to put yourself in a situation where you'd have to experience that, where you would push yourself all the way to the limit and see how you'd respond? Um, I don't know that I intentionally was looking forward to to that. But I knew at least mentally that there were going to be hard moments. You know, I think like we all kind of know that we get of any of life or in, in a marathon or something, you know, like when we think ahead, like we know something's going to be hard, but we don't know quite how hard it's going to feel. Right. <laughs> so that's basically what it was. Cause I, I had talked with Allison, um, Allison Staples beforehand. Um, and she said, look, just be prepared. You're going to spend a lot of time alone and you're going to ugly cry multiple times. You're going to get very angry. And at the same time, you're going to have one of the most life changing experiences out there. So, you know, I kind of just. I took that and tried to prepare and expect that. Um, so it wasn't necessarily a surprise, but it was still, uh, I mean, it was still deeply uncomfortable <laughs> to have to be right. in and work through. Right. Just know, even if you knew full well that it was coming, it doesn't make it any easier, I guess, when it, when it does finally show up. So tell me about day three, which turned out to be the final day. Yes. Um, yeah. So day three, um, we started, where do we go? Camp Pale. Um, anyway, day three, I approached it actually with a renewed, renewed and refreshed mindset. I had texted with Sarah, uh, beforehand. And, um, I also realized that I think with all of the social excitement that also was going on at the race, um, I, I think that I, I had just, I wasn't able to get into my own headspace, uh, like I nor, like I previously had during my training runs. Um, and I realized that during my training run, I did all my training runs by myself, you know, oh, most of them, I would say. And, um, 
it was just me and the trail. And there was something about that quietness and that stillness uh, that was actually really grounding for me. And it, it gave me the mental space to be able then to almost like extend, like flex my muscles, right? And to see what I could do. But I wasn't able to get into that headspace during the race at that point because I was constantly with so many people. Um, and not that it was a bad thing. It was just uh, like I, know exactly I didn't what, realize. I, know exactly what you're you know? I have the same – I listen to, to, to audio stuff when I'm on the run. But when it's go time, whether I'm struggling or I need to like, hey, I got like some, some fast reps to do or anything in between, I got to turn the audio off. I got to be like completely in me to really make it happen. I know other people are the exact opposite. Like that's when they turn <laughs> the music on. For me, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying because I have the same, same response. Yeah. And, and then at the same time, because of how difficult day two was, I think the emotions of that was still kind of weighing heavily on me. And there was a sense of like intrepidation of like, Oh no, how am I going to handle day three and the subsequent days? But, um, but then just realizing like, you know what? I, I want to approach day three the same way I approached all of my other training runs where basically all of those long runs that Sarah had prescribed, I looked at them on my, on my schedule and every single one, I thought that I would not be able to do it. Like I looked at each thing that was scheduled and I just thought like, how, how in the world am I, is my body going to hold up to that? And so then I would approach each training run with, like I said earlier, the, the attitude of like, okay, well, let's see what happens. You know, like, let's see what I can do. Um, and, and I wanted to get back to that mindset, um, to kind of see like, okay, we'll see the day, not through the lens of fear, um, but see the day through the lens of opportunity. And, um, and it just so happened that like Sarah texted me that basically like that same advice that I had already kind of been processing through myself. And so that was really, um, affirming and reassuring. And so day three, I was like, all right, you know, showing up at the start line, feeling hopeful again and feeling excited and like with anticipation of like, all right, what is today going to hold? And 20 miles, it was like another 20, it was 25 miles a day. <laughs> like, all right, that's all right. You know, like I've already done 30. <laughs> What's another 25? Um, and the, and so this will be great. This will be fun. And we'll just keep hands, keep my hands open to receive whatever the day holds, right? Um, well, <laughs> the day held harder and harder things. <laughs> and as I like the, the climb for day three was not as steep immediately as day two, but it was still a mountain. And uh, my body at that point was tired, you know, and, um, I could tell just the fatigue just continued to build and, um, my heart rate just, I, no matter how many breaks I took or how much I slowed down, I just felt like my heart rate couldn't, wasn't coming back down. 
Um, and then at different points, I was feeling those early signs of plantar fasciitis um, in my feet. And I just, so I was just kind of taking those in of like, okay, I'm noting these things. Um, and at the same time, I also, I don't think I've ever shared this before, but so I, I actually, I have a heart arrhythmia that's genetic, um, where my heart beat, like, yeah, my heart will beat, um, inconsistently. Um, and it comes up whenever my body is physically very fatigued. Um, and so, so I've learned to pay attention to this and, um, and the fatigue can come from various things, you know, various forms of stress, whether it's like physical training or sickness or emotional and mental stress. And so I, I actually started to feel those same heart palpitations, um, while I was out on the trail that day. And that to me was, was more concerning because that was a sign that like, okay, yes, it's not just the normal fatigue of, you know, training a lot or running a lot of miles, but this is like something where systemically my body is getting to a point where like, I, I need to stop, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I still got to that first checkpoint at mile seven, feeling fresh. I was like high-fiving everyone, joking. And then I got to the second checkpoint at mile 14, like, definitely more tired. Um, and <laughs> by the time I got to the third checkpoint while 21, I, I was ready to cry. And by that point I had already done a lot of reckoning with myself on the trail and thinking through, um, it, should I, should I just call it and, um, change to the three day race as opposed to six days. Um, and I also was considering that more because, um, they, you know, there was going to be transportation, you know, shuttles to transport all the people who were there to read, you know, who registered for the three day race to like go to the airports or wherever else. And, um, and so I, I knew that that w could be, you know, like more of a natural stopping point as well. But of course, you know, I wanted to work through, um, I wanted to work through the options and not do something that I would regret later. And so, yeah, so I thought about, um, you know, I thought about my reasons for going, going out there. And I thought about what my goals were, um, and asked, was my, was one of my goals to do all six days? And the answer is no. <laughs> you know, one of my running goals is to qualify for Boston someday. <laughs> and, um, but, was one of my running goals to like do all six days of the trans Rockies run. And the answer was no. Um, my running goal for that, for the trans Rockies run was to honestly was to see what I could do, especially coming back from surgery and coming back from injury. Um, and I, and I, in that regards, I saw what I could do, you know, like for the, for those three days, you know, I can, I ran 60 miles and I climbed, I don't remember what, it, I think it was like 20,000 feet, <laughs> you know? And um, so physically speaking, that already was an incredible feat for myself, you know? And then 
you know, my other goal and purpose of going there was, like I had said <laughs> many times earlier here, um, was for representation, you know, to, to show up and be a part of this space and this sport, um, and to not shrink myself, you know, as an Asian American female, uh, and to, to speak up when I felt like I needed to and to just be present, you know, and at the same time to be representation for others, for other people of color, runners of color, for other Asians and Asian Americans, um, to, to know that trail running and running in general, you know, ultras like this space can be for us as well. And so in that regards, did I accomplish what I set out to accomplish? And the answer was yes as well. So because of that, then I felt at peace, um, knowing that I did what I set out to do already and what honestly would be more, even more, um, miraculous is me being able to recognize my body's limits and saying, okay, I need, I need to take care of myself and I need to change, you know, like pivot what my original plan was so that. I can continue participating in this sport without being injured again. Um, so, I mean, yeah. So, you know, I came to terms with that basically, um, before I got to mile 21 that day and I showed up at that checkpoint and I, like, I told the, um, the volunteers there, I was like, I'm done. This is it. And they're like, why don't you sit down, have some quesadillas, have some electrolytes <laughs> and um, let's take a breather for a second. And, um, and they asked if I wanted anyone to walk the rest of the, of the um, day's, you know, distance with me. And I happened to see Ben Chan there again. He was once again in another, <laughs> another form of Speedo. Um standing into like knee deep water. There was one water section right before that checkpoint. And so he was standing there like cheering runners. And so I was like, Ben, he's a safe person to me. I would like to I was like, can you get him? I want to finish, you know, I would like to walk my last few miles with him. And so, and yeah, he did. And um, so Ben and I walked the last four miles, four miles of that. <laughs> together and um and he carried you know he carried all my stuff for me um and just let me like just be you know um and not have yeah I didn't have to explain anything else to him and yeah and that's how I finished day three um yeah <laughs> and what a remarkable experience it must have been I mean just uh, you know whether it's Obviously, you had that feeling of like, oh, there were three more days, but like these three days were incredible. So it's like 60 miles and endless climbing. Considering where you were a year before that, even six months before that, it truly is remarkable. And um, just the, the, the will necessary to make that happen uh, is uh, astonishing. Astonishing. I, I just, I'm in awe. I'm in awe of the whole thing that is for sure and that's why i'm so excited that you would agree to come on to talk about it because it's it's just amazing when you think now uh say you're going to talk to somebody who was thinking about doing something so far beyond their comfort zone right you mentioned before in you know in various ways why this was way outside your comfort zone um 
and you were talking to somebody about that, whether it's this event or any other, what would you tell them to consider um, as a positive reason to do just that? Well, one, I think my question would be, why not? Why not try and see what happens? You know, why not try and see what you can do? Um, don't count yourself out just because something hasn't been done before doesn't mean it's impossible or that it's not for you. Um, and, you know, find people to have in your corner. You know, like I didn't just decide I wanted to do this thing that's way out of my comfort zone. And then I just kind of like plowed ahead on my own. I, I made sure that I had the guidance that I needed, whether, whether it was like with my physical therapist or even like mental, emotional guidance, which like, honestly, Sarah provided a lot of that support for me as well, you know? Um, and yeah, like I tried to set myself up for success in this endeavor, you know, like find the experts <laughs> who the people who would know how to help guide you and support you in this endeavor outside of your comfort zone. And, um, but yeah, like, and just, why not, really? <laughs> why not? I love that. Just t turning the question back on them. Why not? Instead of why, why not? Carolyn, thank you so much for everything that you did, not just this podcast. Who cares about that? Thank you for everything you're doing for the running community. It is extensive. Your impact is lasting. And we are all so thankful for everything you are doing. And thank you again for coming on the show today. Oh, it's so great to talk. Thanks, Matt. Carolyn, thank you so much. Hour and a half, longest podcast episode we have ever put out. I've done two two-part episodes before, uh, Bridget Bradford and Marcus Smith. Each of those were uh, a couple of years ago, and those were great experiences. I had a lot of fun. This is the longest single episode we've ever had on the show, and who better to do it with than the iconic Carolyn Sue? Iconic, impactful. It's just, she's amazing. She is just simply, in one word, amazing. Honored to talk to her. I love getting a chance to talk to her, whether it's being recorded or not. So, thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.